Well, we are blessed this morning. Um, you guys have heard of probably John Piper, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, Martin Luther, John Calvin, folks like that. Today, we have T.J. Freeman here. And, and we are excited. T.J. has come all the way from Pennsylvania as he is the senior pastor in Pennsylvania. We're just so thankful to have him here. And he's going to be preaching the word to us this morning. So we're going to be blessed. But as we get prepared for the message, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we praise and honor you. We glorify you, recognizing, Father, there is none like you. And we are so thankful that you have given us your word. And it's the ability to change us from the inside out as we recognize that your word is the sword of the spirit that is changing our hearts from the inside out. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we can come together as a community of believers to serve you with all our hearts and to glorify you in everything we say and do, whether it's in our marriages or whether it's with our finances, whether it's within our parenting abilities, Father, but we ask that all of it be to your glory and honor. We ask, Father, that our hearts and our mind be open to the word that we're about to hear. Father, help us to not only listen to it, but to apply it to our lives. We love you and glorify you. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Family Church. I have been looking forward to this day with great excitement for several weeks. It is good to be uh, back amongst you. In fact, in many ways, this feels like home to us still. 
Uh, and you all, despite the miles that separate us, uh, in a very real way, are family uh, to us. And so it is good to be uh, back amongst family this morning. I have to tell you, though, it's a little bit unfair to have a pastor come up here and preach after a worship set like that. Uh, wasn't that a blessing this morning? Uh, and it is just so good to be uh, back amongst you. And I thought before we just jump off into the sermon, I'd like to give you a little bit of an update as to what has transpired uh, with us over the past few months. In fact, it's only been four short months since we moved away. We moved away around Christmas time. Uh, but let's be honest, it's winter time in Pennsylvania, so it has seemed a little bit longer. Uh, I, I knew that bears hibernated, but I didn't realize that the sun actually hibernates during the winter as well. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a stretch, but it has been great. It has been a blessing to be there. Uh, Katie and I love being back amongst family. It is so exciting to see uh, Charlotte get together with grandparents and actually know who they are and to spend time with cousins and other family. Uh, and the church has received us very well uh, also. We've actually had what I have referred to as kind of an extended uh, honeymoon period as we've been up there. Uh, we've gotten in and just immediately developed a sense of trust and unity amongst the existing leadership and myself and amongst the congregation. And so it has been a joy to be there working uh, with these folks in Pennsylvania. A and you will find it probably interesting to know how much of your influence actually exists in Pennsylvania. Uh, since we got there, I began sharing some ideas. Uh, many of those ideas came from this place. And so, for example, over the course of the last month or so, we have launched core courses. We have launched connect groups. Uh, we've started doing one-to-one -one discipleship that Pastor Carrie, or Terry or Casey may have led some of you through, uh, and it has been uh, tremendously beneficial to the ministry in Pennsylvania as well. So your fingerprints are all over Pennsylvania, and if you think about it, that is consistent with your mission, right? Uh, you exist to glorify God through making disciples of Jesus Christ among all people, including people in Pennsylvania. And so your influence is seen uh, all over the place. And I'm sure that is true of any of the other pastors who have gone out of this place as well. Uh, and so it has been uh, great to uh, see the Lord's work up there. Uh, within five miles of our door, there are 8,000 people. Uh, in Wellsboro, many of which need Jesus. And within our zip code, 16901, there are actually 11,000 people. Uh, so we have got a tremendous amount of work to do. And it's exciting because you all are doing the same work that we are doing. Uh, though we are separated by distance, our mission is actually the same, and that is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what unites this church uh, with my church. That is what unites uh, the universal church all throughout the globe, is that we exist to bring God glory glory, uh, specifically through the gospel. And that gospel is the central point that we gather around. And, and so, in fact, the reason that you're sitting here this morning is the gospel. The reason that I'm standing here this morning is the gospel. And despite the fact that churches around the globe gather around the gospel, there is a little bit of confusion as to exactly what that gospel is. Uh, you can walk into many churches this morning and you may hear something other than the gospel. Uh, the gospel is not the only good news that we can now have a better life. The gospel is not the only good news that Jesus came to make me happy. No, the gospel is the only good news for salvation and for transformation. Outside of the gospel, you and I have absolutely no hope. And to flesh that out just a little bit further, the gospel is this. Uh, it begins with God. God created all things. And so whether you uh, confess it or not, God created you and God created me. And he created us with a purpose, and that purpose is him. So God created all things, and he created all things for himself. Yet despite that, his uh, 
pinnacle of his creation, mankind, rejected him. And, and all the way back in the Garden of Eden, mankind chose to sin against a righteous God, violating God's holy standard. And all of mankind ever since has made that same decision. And so you and I are all guilty. And so when we stand before God, we are hopeless. And to be very clear as to what that means, uh, because we have sinned against God, we deserve his wrath. That wrath is a literal eternity in a literal hell, literally uh, separated from God in anguish and pain with no escape hatch, no way to beg your way out, and not enough tears uh, could ever buy uh, your way out of hell. And that is what we deserve. And so we come together recognizing that we are sinful people, but despite that, uh, God made a way out. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth to live a perfectly righteous life and to die on our behalf. So if we place our faith in the fact that the blood of Christ covers our sin, we don't have to uh, pursue the fate that would have been ours in eternity in hell. Instead, we get to have an eternity forever in heaven with Christ uh, worshiping the glory of God for all the rest of eternity. And that is why we gather together. And that is why we do what we do. And that is what makes us incredibly similar as a church. We are one church operating under one head, and that is the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And so that is why we are together this morning, and that is why we do all that we do in church. So if you have your Bible this morning, uh, take it out. You've been walking through a series on discipleship, and you have been uh, led well through uh, several passages that indicate some of the characteristics of a disciple. And this morning we are going to continue with that series, and we'll be in the book of 2 Timothy. So open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 14. 2 Timothy three fourteen. You should know that this is a, an epistle or a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy as to how he should train and equip the disciples that the Lord uh, brings him to minister to. And so let's pick up in verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And before we go any further, I want to ask the Lord's blessing upon uh, his word on our hearts. Holy Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Uh, it is truly uh, an honor any time that we get to open your word. And Father, we pray that this morning you would strongly impact our hearts uh, for your glory. Lord, I pray, as I often do, that we would not walk back out of this place unchanged. Lord, that not a single person would be able to get up out of their seat and go back out the same person that they came in. For, Lord, when we hear your word, uh, we are either hardened or we are softened. And, Father, we uh, beg that you will soften our hearts. Lord, I pray now that as I uh, share from your word, that not a single word of my own would be spoken. But, Lord, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would uh, speak through me. Lord, let only that which you want to be communicated, uh, communicated today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Well, kind of our big idea this morning, the central uh, theme for this morning is this. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I must rely on the word of God in all areas of my life. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the things that will be characteristic of me is that I must rely on the word of God in all areas of my life. And, And I actually thought about this sermon on the airplane flying down here. Uh, those of you that know me uh, well know that I have a significant fear. It's not the fear of snakes. It's not the fear of death. It's not the fear of public speaking. Not uh, anything like that. The biggest fear that I have dealt with is the fear of flying. And if you want to know the truth, it's actually the fear of not being in control, which is worse. So we'll go with flying. Uh, and so as I was sitting on the airplane uh, flying down here, we, uh, it was the first time that I, I think I had ever been on a turboprop airplane before. And, and as I was boarding that aircraft, the guy in front of me turned around and said, I call this the farm tractor of the skies. And I thought, <laughs> great, I don't know what I'm in for. And so I, I sat down and, and we took off and everything was going well. Uh, but about halfway between Williamsport and uh, Philadelphia, it began to get very bumpy. Uh, and we were in the clouds and, and it was bumpy enough that I realized that I had a death grip on my seatbelt. Uh, I looked down and my knuckles were as white as could be and my teeth were clenched. And, and literally I had to hang on because it was bumpy enough that my feet were coming off the ground and I have just never seen anything quite like it. Uh, in fact, I was so scared I couldn't be scared. Uh, it was very intense. And so I, as I was gripping that seatbelt, my sermon just popped into my mind. And I thought, Right now, I am relying on this seatbelt. Uh, I double-checked to make sure that it was fastened well. I tightened it up as much as possible, and I was literally gripping onto it for dear life, which is very unlike the seatbelt in my car. So when I get into my car, I, I buckle up, usually, and I start going, and I don't even think anything about it. I don't think about the fact that uh, my seatbelt could save my life at any moment. I don't even think about the fact that I'm wearing it. It's just there. Now, occasionally I might pass an officer and think, okay, click it or ticket is my seatbelt on. Or I may go by an automobile accident and I think, oh, that could happen to me at any moment. So I just double check to make sure it's secure. But I'm in no way relying on that seatbelt. And I think too often we do the same with the Word of God. Um, It's there. We turn to it uh, probably somewhat regularly. Sometimes it's done out of compulsion. Sometimes we think, boy, I might get in trouble if I don't have uh, the Word of God. And so we spend a little extra time in it, making sure that God doesn't do something like zap us or send bad circumstances our way. Uh, We may get into difficulty. We may see a, a challenge in life. And so we spend a little extra time in God's Word. But we don't actually rely on it to the level that we are commanded to in Scripture. But Scripture says clearly that we need God's Word if we're going to be equipped for every good work. And so if we are truly going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we must rely on the Word of God uh, with all that we do in all areas of life. In fact, you can boil down uh, all of life's decisions uh, into uh, really two categories regarding the Word of God. We either obey the Word of God or we disobey the Word of God. Those are the only two choices. In all of life's circumstances, we obey the Word of God or we disobey the Word of God. And and you might say, well, what if I don't know it? I mean, what if I just, I'm not that familiar with the Word of God? I, I, I don't know it yet. Am I really accountable for everything in there? Well, the Bible tells us that we do need to know it. In fact, it goes beyond that. It says we need to meditate upon it. 
We need to uh, write it upon our hearts. We need to memorize it. We need to be uh, deeply acquainted with the Word of God. Uh, we, we have no excuse of not knowing it. Well, you say, well, I do read it, but I just don't understand it. You know, what, what if I just don't understand? What do I do? Well, good news. The Lord did not save us into isolation. The Lord called us together into this beautiful body called the church, and the church exists in part to help us understand and grow in the Word of God. And so that is part of our coming together here this morning. That is why you go to core classes. That is why you go to connect groups. It is to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. Uh, He has, by His grace, given us the ability to uh, learn and to grow in His Word through one another. And I hope I don't get in trouble with the last one. But if you say, what if I don't have a Bible? I have a feeling if you talk to Pastor Terry or Pastor Casey, they can get you uh, acquainted uh, with a nice Bible that you can call your own. So if you don't have one, please make sure that you don't leave today without getting a Bible because we desperately depend on it. And so in 2 Timothy 3, uh, just look at one more time at 16 and 17. Uh, I want to focus on this, and I'm going to give you some bad news. Uh, This is the key. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That is what we want. But actually, before Paul uh, penned those words, he gave us some very bad news. He showed us a picture of what it is like not to rely upon the Word of God. So jump back up in 2 Timothy 3, all the way to verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. We'll look at the first few verses Uh, as a negative view of what happens when you do not rely on the Word of God. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. But just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. And so what we see here is a horrible picture of one who does not rely on the Word of God. And if you think about it, it kind of sounds like the society in which we live, doesn't it? But in reality... It sounds a little bit like the life that we live as well. And as I read that passage, I realized I can't get very far into this before I start feeling guilty myself. I'd love to just say, boy, this is what happens when you don't rely on God's word. But as I, as I got to the very first part, uh, they will be lovers of self. I thought, I'm ruined already. And so we, we get into this passage and we recognize uh, suddenly that in so many areas we fail to rely on God's word without even knowing. And so this is what happens when I fail to rely on the word of God. There are several characteristics. The first one is uh, that we live for self rather than God. We live for self rather than God. Look at those first characteristics starting in verse 2. 
people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swarm with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, and we're even told to avoid uh, such people. And this is what happens when we uh, fail to rely on the Word of God. We begin to live for ourselves rather than for God. And so we start to pursue our passions, our pleasure, our happiness, our comfort, and that leads us down a road of destruction, which may begin very subtly at first. But the more we begin to place ourselves first and God second, the more we begin to trample others, the more we uh, experience problems in our relationships, the more we experience problems in our employment, the more we experience problems in our uh, finances. Why? Because we are operating against the way that God designed us to operate. See, we were designed to say that it's Jesus is all I need and nothing else. You've heard the equation before, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But when we fail to rely on the word of God and we place ourselves first, we are actually saying it's Jesus plus my wants, Jesus plus my feelings, Jesus plus my financial security, Jesus plus my relationships going the way that I want them to go, Jesus plus you name it uh, equals everything. And that is not true. And so we begin to buy into a lie, which is actually the second characteristic. When we fail to rely on God's word, we are living a lie. Look at verse 5. It says that we have the, uh, when we fail to rely on God's word, we have the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. And pay close attention to verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of what? The truth. Never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. In other words, you are literally living in a lie. You can never arrive at the truth when you fail to rely on the Word of God in all areas of your life. And so all of those pursuits, all of those things which your flesh would tell you are gain are truly a lie. And the problem is that if you buy into the lie, you are headed for disaster. Look at verse 8. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far. Why? For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Um, Terrifyingly, in verse 8, there's an indication that there are some who would have a belief that they are in the faith, but in reality are disqualified regarding for the faith. Not disqualified because they did something that removes them from the ability to receive God's grace. Disqualified because they simply have not put their faith in Christ. Uh, and, and so there is a potential that if we are not in God's word, if God's word is not impacting us, it's because we're not a believer. And as hard as that is to say, and as much as I don't want to uh, put the fear out there that am I really a believer, in fact, that's a legit question that we all must ask because Scripture tells us to examine ourselves, to see whether or not we are in the faith. And so we must uh, ask, am I relying on the word of God? And if not, what's the problem? Could it be that? 
And I pray that that is not the case. Uh, And every sin is not an indication that we are not a believer, but it is certainly a valid question, one that you would much rather ask now than attempt to ask on the next side of eternity. Uh, But verse 9 makes it clear that they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all. Uh, The Bible tells us that uh, one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. And we will all confess that Jesus is Lord, whether we believed in him or not. Uh, So in the end, the folly of all will be very plain to see. But even in this life, uh, it is very clear uh, when we are not relying on God's word that we are headed for disaster. We are headed for folly. We are uh, buying into that lie that anything other than Jesus can satisfy. And it simply is not true. And it only leads to ruin. So is that enough bad news? Can we move on to the good? Uh, let's look at verse 10, 2 Timothy 3.10. Uh, actually, I want to skip a couple of verses. 10 through 13 give us uh, a, uh, an idea that Paul went through persecution. So he tells Timothy uh, about these persecutions uh, that he's faced. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But pick up in verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And and so right away in verse 14, we see that one who relies on the word of God, the first characteristic of a person who relies on the word of God, they are confident. They are confident. And in a world uh, that presses for self-esteem, it is important to note that our confidence comes not from who we are, but from what the Word of God says. That is where our confidence comes from. And so when we rely on Scripture, we can be fully confident. For uh, Paul told Timothy, um, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What you have firmly placed your faith in. We are to continue walking in those things. And when we have a firm belief in something, we can be fully confident. And so now, knowing that you are equipped for every good work, you can be confident to deal with difficult situations. And so now you can walk into a conversation that you know is going to be tough, but if you are relying on the Word of God, you can get through that conversation uh, with confidence, knowing that it is God you are trying to please and not man. You can walk through a difficult situation in a relationship knowing that if I rely on the Word of God, I can handle this in a way that will be pleasing to Him. And regardless of the results or the circumstance or my feelings, I can confidently choose to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ that relies on the Word of God and does as He has commanded and as He is pleased with. Uh, We can handle all of life's circumstances. And I said we would come back to verses 10 through 13. Paul went through some extremely difficult trials. Uh, He doesn't list them all here, uh, but his persecutions uh, were enough that at times he was left for dead. Uh, Other times he himself thought, this is probably the end. I'm probably going to die here. Uh, He was in such extreme persecution that his very life uh, was almost lost multiple times. And so you know that we will experience difficulty. We will walk through uh, hard times. Our circumstances may not be just like Paul's, but sometimes it can feel like death. And so we can walk through every one of those knowing that they're going to come. They are going to come, but we can be confident in Christ if we rely on his word. 
A second characteristic is that we are qualified and equipped. When we rely on the Word of God, we are qualified and equipped. You say, well, how do I get qualified and equipped? How, how does that happen? Uh, well, it begins, according to verse 16, with teaching. And that word for teaching uh, is actually kind of a unique word. Uh, it has the idea of showing what is true or um, showing what is knowledge. Uh, and so when you are teaching, you are saying, uh, this is what's right, this is what's true, this is what's real. That's what that word teaching is, which is the opposite of reproof, which is the next word. Reproof is showing what is false. And so uh, a good analogy for reproof is actually an umpire sitting behind home plate. And when you get up there and you swing and you hit the ball and you drive it down the line, that umpire is sitting there and he's watching and he might yell, foul ball. And that's what reproof is. It's saying, that's out of bounds. You can't advance. You can't do that and be successful. Um, that's, that's a foul. And so when we experience reproof, we're being told, foul ball. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you, you can't do that. that that's not a, a fair play. Then there is correction. Correction is uh, literally a, a word from the world of restoration. And so it's like taking a piece of metal that's bent and, and straightening it. And it's so straight and so perfect that you would never even know it's been bent. That's what a correction is. It's straightening up that which has uh, been bent. And, and also through training in righteousness. And this one might be my favorite. Uh, the word training is the exact same word that is used in child rearing. And so uh, this is very real to me as I have a small child and another one on the way. Uh, and so I'm very familiar with what it means to, at times, discipline, even though you don't want to. At times, to uh, show a tremendous amount of grace and mercy. At times, to show uh, what is good and what is not good and just train in all areas. I want my daughter to be uh, successful, to have good godly behavior, uh, and to be righteous. And that's the same thing that Paul is telling Timothy. Uh, God's Word trains us just like a parent trains a child in righteousness. It provokes uh, proper habits and good behavior. And Donald Hubbard, who is a theologian, summed it up this way. He said that teaching keeps us from error, reproof keeps us from sin, correction keeps us from failure, and training in righteousness keeps us from foolishness. And so when we rely on God's Word, we have those uh, tools at our disposal. And so you ask, what am I qualified and what am I equipped for? So I know that I'm qualified, I know I'm equipped, but for what? Well, put very simply, you are qualified and equipped for every good work. Every good work. And I'll give you a couple examples of what a good work might look like in Scripture. Uh, Jesus summed up all the Old Testament commands with uh, basically one word, love. And so we are to love others as better than ourselves. That's what Scripture tells us to do. And in fact, you are qualified and equipped to love others as better than yourselves. And how many others are you supposed to do that with? Well, the Bible tells us I need to uh, honor my father and mother. The Bible tells us I, I need to honor my spouse. Well, in fact, the Bible tells us we need to honor all men. It tells us to love our neighbor. And who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is everyone. And so we are truly to view everyone else as better than ourselves. And suddenly our agenda becomes much less important. Our agenda becomes much less valuable because we exist for others. So we died to our former self. 
We died to the way that we were living. We were bought with a price by Jesus Christ, and we belong to him, and we exist to love, and guess what? We are fully qualified and equipped to do it. That's what we do. Uh, We can do a number of other things. We can uh, avoid things like gossip or slander or any other sins that would destroy uh, unity. We, we can avoid those things. We are fully uh, qualified and equipped. Uh, we can uh, stay away from sins that have had a grip on us in the past. We can walk away from them. Why? Because we rely on God's word, which equips us for every good work. We can live free of worry. We can live free of fear. We can uh, walk through extremely difficult situations like health problems and finance problems and relationship problems, uh, knowing that we are qualified and equipped for every good work. We have all that we need through Scripture. And I want to just mention briefly that this is not a call to legalism. This is not a, a me driving you back to good works, saying that you must do this, 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 and this. You see, our response uh, is not a response to moralism. It is a response to the good news that I opened with, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, All of this is our response to the gospel. And so rather than being hardened by the word of God and saying, I don't want that, I I can't uh, live in that restrictive system, we say, actually, we are living in complete freedom under Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, As a result of all that which he has given me, though I don't deserve it, I want to be a disciple of his who values his word, who relies on it in all areas and lives for him for his glory. I want to share a a quote from John Wesley about God's word. It says, I am a creature of the day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit coming from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf a few moments hence, and I am seen no more. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. Hear them, I am. Far from the busy ways of men, I sit down alone. Only God is here. In his presence, I open. I read his book for this end, to find the way to heaven. We must rely on the word of God in all areas of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a difficult sermon to preach because we are so quickly reminded of the many areas of life where we fail to rely on your word. In fact, every time that we choose sin uh, over you, we are not only failing to rely on your word, we're, we're actually rejecting it. So Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, By your grace, keep us from wandering. Lord, keep us from the allure of this world. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a great sense of love in response to all that which you have done on our behalf. Lord, let us be motivated by the gospel. 
Father, I pray that as we walk out of here this morning, that we would encourage one another, that we would strengthen one another. Lord, that with you as our head, we would be your active, uh, responsive body. And Lord, that in all things, we would glorify you. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you stand, please. Let's sing this together. Thinking about that sermon and, and applying that to our lives, how it's just just surrendering everything that we have. So sing all to, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him. 